Welcome to the Crown Insider Podcast. Today I have Joe DeFuscia joining me, and we are going to talk about inspiration. And then later we're going to hear from President Wiggins, who is the president of Crown College, and Dr. Kuhn. So welcome, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. As we start talking about inspiration, what are some things that come to mind? Um, in terms of like people who've inspired me, uh, I was very blessed to grow up with an older brother, and he's like honestly probably the best older brother I could have asked for. He's wow, uh, and so for me, he's been a really great mo- role model, whether that's in academics or if that's in my faith, because he's always been like this hurts me to say, but he's always been like one step ahead of me there, <laughs> uh, and so being able to have that someone to look up to. Um, has been really helpful for me. I've had a lot of mentors over the years, a lot of, uh, a lot of teachers and coaches that uh, have always kind of set the path for me to where mm-hmm. I am now, and I'm very thankful for all of them. That's so cool. That's cool that you say that about your brother, because actually, I always say that about my younger brother. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I've got, you know, Curtis, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, he's a year younger than me, but he really feels like he's older than me because mm. he's just so cool and so like you said we compete in academics and he's just crazy smart Mm -hmm. so yeah things that inspire us so how do you get inspired to do school when you just really don't want to oh that's that's a mood most of the time it's just an utter lack of motivation right uh for me some of the things that help are like going outside getting fresh air going on a run uh it also helps me to clear my mind when i like pray uh with scriptures that also is very good uh just like calming me down and Hmm. setting my focus straight Mm -hmm. um i also listen to a lot of music while i write and while i study and i don't know if that's always a great thing because it does distract me a lot but it 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 keeps me in the chair and it keeps me off my phone and it keeps me uh writing which i guess isn't a bad thing but that's cool yeah i love taking music breaks and i should do this more often because i love playing piano but i Mm. haven't in a while and that used to be a good time to just take a break from school and go play some piano and then go back to school. So Yeah, I found that too. And I felt I found that over the course of this last year and how busy I've been, I've completely my neglected my guitar. It used to be a thing that I picked uh, up. Used to be a thing I picked up every day and like since I got busy, um, I've started to neglect it. But I've realized now that that's actually been like really helpful with like soothing anxiety or stress. Well, even when I get angry about something and then I go play the piano, it's just like a good mm-hmm. way to release anger rather yeah. than yell and or, a song or for scream. Every mood too. Right, yeah. true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so great. What do you play when you're angry? <laughs> I'll play like Mozart. Actually. Really? Really? <laughs> really fast cuz then it just is like I suppose. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like I'll I can't I, go I any that. faster than this. That's true. This okay, is the that. worst. Like <laughs> So, yeah, that that really does it for me. And it's like the cheeriest song you could play, too. So it's super upbeat, but, but it's like anger. Okay, yeah. You can I don't know if that, that makes sense. but I mean, no. I think what inspires me the most, especially in writing, whether it's for content marketing and articles for crown.edu or whether it's for school, I would have to say is if I'm writing about somebody's story and it's it was a story where they had to go through a lot of hard times, but they overcome them or they overcame something or it's just their story itself is inspiring. That's inspiring to me. Cause yeah, then it's like, sense. Oh, I want to write about this cause it's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise I would say 
seeing nature is really inspiring. Mm. So if there's a really pretty sky that's almost like puts me in the mood to do to write or to do that's homework. Cool. So I don't see a lot of pretty things that make me want to do homework. <laughs> but uh, for me, what usually like inspires me to write or inspires me to be a better writer is if I'm like passionate about like what I'm writing about. And like if it's a school paper and I like the book a lot, then I can, hmm. that's really inspiring for me and I can write uh, something in like five minutes flat. But if mm-hmm. it's something that's like completely bland and I really don't care about, uh, that's where I hit a lot of roadblocks. Mm-hmm. And so for, for me to be able to understand and be able to actually be passionate about what I'm writing about uh, is probably my biggest inspiration when it comes to writing. Well, welcome Dr. Wiggins and Dr. Kuhn. Thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here. Great to be here. Would you mind by starting and sharing a bit about yourselves? Um, this is Joel. Uh, you can call me that or whatever. Um, yeah, so I'm a graduate of Crown College, and full circle came back to become the president of Crown College. So that's uh, that was kind of a lot of fun. Uh, married to a, a woman that I met at Crown, and we have two children. Uh, they're both grown, and because you know, I'm an old guy now. And uh, one is living up in Hibbing, Minnesota, working for Delta Airlines in uh, one of their call uh, service offices. And the other one is living in Durham, North Carolina, and she's married, and we have a grandson from them uh, named Sebastian. Oh, cute. Yeah. So Cool. And we live in Chaska here. Yeah, we we share a number of things in our stories. Yeah, that's right, one of them. So my name is Bill Kuhn. I serve as the Vice President uh, of Student Development and Campus Chaplain here at the school. I am also a graduate, so we share that piece of it. I graduated in the early 90s. We don't share that. We, yeah. Well, <laughs> but I had such a wonderful experience. I, it was a, such an honor to come back. And uh, to this day, it seems like every day I walk in and can't believe I get to serve the Lord here at Crown. I am married for almost 29 years, have four children, two of which graduated last year from, from Crown College, uh, the oldest of which awesome. is now at Duke Divinity School in Durham, so we share that piece. We have children in the same neighborhood. Sarah. Yeah, you know, remember Sarah? Yes, yeah. I miss her. Uh, she's doing really well at Duke, enjoying herself there quite well. That's awesome. Then I have a daughter. My second uh, child is a daughter who got married this past summer, and her husband works here at Crown, so our family is here. Uh, and then I have a son who's a student at another school, another college. And then I have a son who's a PSEO, a dual enrolled student here at Crown College. And played so, the main bass today. And he played bass in chapel today. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty nice. <laughs> I like it. That's awesome. Uh, so off the top of your guys' heads, do you have a favorite memory from Crown? Well, the, there are lots of yeah. really good memories. Uh, you know, I mean... I think the things that I would describe as memories of Crown are probably the same things that students describe as their favorite mm-hmm. memories of Crown today. Hmm. You know, interacting with classmates and, you know, late night study times and, you know, runs to the store after hours <laughs> and, you know, those kind of experiences. But the other thing that comes to my mind is just the interaction with faculty mm-hmm. that was so rich for me in my young, you know, emerging adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, I had gone to another college for a year and a half and transferred to Crown, 
And the difference between this large, you know, behemoth college that I was attending uh, with 16, 17,000 students, and then to arrive here and be able to interact with faculty on a personal level, get to ask my questions. That's to amazing. Be in their, yeah, to be in their, their, not only was I in their offices, but I was in their homes. You know, <laughs> how different is that? So great, great memories. Yeah. You know, I had the same roommate for three years. And uh, we were on the golf club. We didn't have a golf team back then, but we okay. had a golf club. It had a total budget of $400 for the year, greens <laughs> fees, everything that we do. It was kind of fun. So we did that a lot. And uh, we were both RAs together on the same floor. Oh, cool. Um, but just last summer, I got to go out to see him. He lives just right outside Glacier National Park. And we wow. stayed with them. So. The thing that I remember is the friendships that we developed uh, from Crown mm-hmm. and that they continue, you know, we, we hadn't seen each other for a long time, but you just kind of pick up where you leave off, you know. It wasn't 40 years of not seeing him, but Those friendships time. are the best. Yeah, and then we went and we, uh, you know, kayaked down, you know, a river, you know, Glacier Park together, you know, just almost like going back to those days. So it was, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Who are some people you know personally, personally that inspire you? Bill. Joel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I think over time, different people have had different influences uh, in me. I think, um, um, you know, so early in my life, I think it was my family. Uh, you know, my mom's mom, my grandma, uh, whenever we'd go to her house, she'd have some of these old books. I learned to read there almost. I mean, I, I, I learned the mechanics of reading in school, of course, but I learned to really like to read hmm. at grandma's house. And so that was, uh, and she was always a person who would ask good questions. You know, so she was kind of very interesting. And then later on in life, as I, I took my first church out of Crown, um, I wasn't ready for it. You know, you're not ready for anything like that. But um, there was a guy there named Don Reeder who was one of the elders and he and I would go out once a week and we'd go to Pizza Hut and we would down half a pizza each and we'd get a pitcher of Mountain Dew and um, we'd sit there and talk as long as our bladders was, you know, hold out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and Don was just so wise. He was a graduate of Dallas Seminary and I was a graduate of, you know, I was going to Trinity Seminary at the time. So we had a lot in common that way. But Don was just, you know, I had a friend of mine who said, Don could hit you in the face, but, you know, but you didn't know it until after you left, right? Because hmm. he would be very honest, but he did it in such a way that you didn't realize what he was doing to you until, you know, 30 minutes later. So he was really, really a good, uh, I would say, mentor to me at that stage in my life when I was developing who I was, you hmm. know, who I really Those was. Those people are so important. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Dr. Kuhn? Yeah, I mean, I agree with the statement. I mean, as you grow through your decades, there are different people that inspire you, that influence you, that you observe and, and think, wow, I want a part of that person's life to be part of my life. And, mm-hmm. as, you know, as Paul says, follow, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, it's that kind of relationship. You know, there are people that are close to me that inspire me too, you know, like my wife and my kids. I met with a student this morning uh, here at Crown, and she was just telling me her story and some of the trials and challenges of life and and then, you know, how her experience has been at Crown and how she's grown in her years at Crown. And I just felt, felt myself starting to, to well up. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, 
This is so rich in how God has met her and she's growing. And uh, we, we were talking about a lot of different things. But as we, as we kind of were wrapping up, I said, you know what? Here's what I'd like for you to do. You've been reading these particular books that have really influenced her life. So I said, you pick one of these books for me to read this summer. And then let's come back in the fall and talk about mm. it. Wow. And um, so it was really a rich moment. So she inspires me. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the gentleman who led me to Christ, though, his name is Dave Schwan. He's a, just recently retired from the mission field. And he was my elementary school music teacher. Mm. So, you know, kudos to all the teachers out <laughs> there. You know, you can, you can make a difference for the kingdom of God in the Absolutely. classroom. Mm -hmm. and, and he was one of those for me. And... Um, during some of those, you know, pivotal years growing up, my father wasn't around, but Dave Schwan was. And he was the one who handed me a Bible and said, hey, have you ever thought about reading this? And I said, no, I have nowhere to, be, to even start. I don't know where to start. He said, why don't you start with the book of Romans? We'll talk about it in a week. Hmm. And so I started reading and, and didn't understand a lot. But over several months, I uh, came to understand my sin and a need for the gospel and how Christ can change us. And so I, I came to Christ, and then he mentored me for another year and uh, before he went off to more school and eventually overseas. And uh, But so many, you know, it's not what he said. I can't remember a lot of quotes, but the things he chose to do and, the, you know, the choices he made with his family and his wife made an impact on my life. You know, mm -hmm. watching him get out of the car, walk around to the other side of the car, open the door for his wife, that she gets out of the car and they held hands all the way into the store. Like, you don't see that very often, right? Uh, so it was things like that that made such an impact on my life. We still talk about it, and we're still good friends. He and I still chat. He's a guitar player. I'm a guitar player. We talk theology. We talk ministry. We talk guitars. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful man. Wow. Speaking of teachers, I actually had a teacher back in high school who really inspired me and she had been through just the hardest things in life that I could have imagined she had her her house burned down she got stage four cancer and then her husband passed away and mm. this all happened kind of all of a sudden mm. but um yeah I just remember sitting in her class and she would always schedule her chemotherapy around our class time so that she could show up and teach our class. Hmm. And it was just incredible. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, she's inspired me so much. Yeah, I think we, you know, like that story. We want people that have hope. You know, we, we're looking for people, and I, hmm. just people in general, are looking for people that give us hope. Yeah, and, and the thing was, like too. sounds like she did that for you, yeah. Yeah, and she was the most joyful person hmm. that I knew. And it was just, how can you have this joy yeah. if all of this is happening to you? It must be something that you have something. <laughs> so right. that was amazing. But you know, I th uh, Bill, have you ever been uh, inspired by somebody who doesn't know the Lord? Um, hmm. and, and I'll waste some time for you as you're thinking about the answer to that since I just sprung that on you. But um, about 15 years ago, I had the chance to go to South Africa. The only time I've been there. I went uh, with a group that was doing a, some business training uh, with some people. And South Africa at that time was evolving out of uh, a strict apartheid into trying to become more of an open uh, culture, which, you know, they had 5 million whites and 45 million blacks, right? And so opening up the country to that kind of freedom was, is a challenge. But we were, we were working with entrepreneurs 
in this, uh, probably a hundred of them in this setting for about three days. And I remember at the very end, one of the people on our team did about a five-minute summation of, she just gave like an impromptu inspirational speech to these uh, hundred people that we had been training for about uh, three days about how heroic they were, about the changes they were bringing to their culture, about the hope that they were bringing, about you know, making difference in their communities, creating jobs for people, working across different lines that you know, have divided society and so forth. And, and it was an amazing, uh, just, I, I, was like, I was just like, I gotta be able to do that someday. You know? And uh, I had some really good talks with her. Um, we even talked about the Lord at lunch and different things. I don't know that she was a believer, but I got just super inspired by her ability to do something in a setting that just called for something, and she was able to, you know, to do it, and uh, so it became inspiring to me. Like I, I'm now trying to do that if I get in that kind of a situation. That's fascinating. And uh, so sometimes it isn't the whole life of a person; it might just be a almost a moment in time mm-hmm. that says, "Wow, you know, what a gift." Hmm. that God had gave her to be able to do that, whether she recognized it or not at all, but I recognized it. So um, I think even people who don't know the Lord can be people who can inspire us. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I would agree. You know what comes to mind when you ask the question is this, we had this lady in the church I was serving years ago. I mean, this is two decades ago. And this lady attended the church faithfully, but her husband wouldn't, wouldn't come. And she would say her husband doesn't know the Lord. Well, I would go to visit her and end up sitting and talking with the husband, <laughs> who was a small business owner. Mm-hmm. And he was ruthless about uh, the way, and, and I mean this in a positive sense, right? So about the way he treated his employees. I mean, in a positive way, right? Mm-hmm. Ruthlessly caring, empathetic, and ethical. Huh. And I remember thinking, you know, leaving those conversations like, wow, that's a challenge. How do you, how do you live ethically in this you know, fractured world of business and mm-hmm. all of the challenges and uh, that he, you know, as a small business owner that he had to face, and yet he was so present hmm. with his people. Uh, that was inspiring for yeah. me. Yeah. So. Hmm. What comes to my mind, too, is uh, how often we see people who, like, were created, but then we want to create. And mm-hmm. when people have those gifts and they can create just beautifully amazing things it's so inspiring but you don't have to be a believer to to do that obviously so both of you guys read a lot what are some of the most inspiring books you've read and are there any you would particularly recommend to college students you know for their many hours of free time for (laughs) reading (laughs) maybe better for over summer reading was something that was cultivated in my life it wasn't something that I grew up watching and observing and so over the years what happened for me was when I was a college student, I started reading things, and God began to use that reading to change my life. Hmm. And I thought, wow, I didn't know I could read and grow like that. And that challenge really spurred me on. And for me, the book that did that was A.W. Tozer's The Pursuit of God. Hmm. And I, I read it before I was in college, and it didn't speak to me. <laughs> then I read it you know, a couple years later as a required reading for a class, and it, and I mean, it, it crushed me. I just was like, wow, I've got wow. so much growth in the Lord, you know, yet in front of me. And uh, it, 
it spoke to me and uncovered things about myself I wasn't even aware of. Uh, so if I was going to recommend a book, certainly that would be one. And I know we've talked about that yeah. book. You you were familiar yeah. with it as well. Yeah, A.W. Tozer, uh, C.S. Lewis is a big mm. one for me. Yeah, I read Alistair uh, McIntyre's biography of him uh, a couple years ago. Okay. Uh, you know, and then I was over in Oxford two summers ago, and uh, I think he was at the College of Magdalen. I think was the college he was. I can't remember exactly which one, but that's I went. Correct. I think yeah. that's right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And Bill and I actually, in fact, you know, if anybody who's listening to this one, <laughs> but we've talked about maybe putting a tour together to go over and kind of walk through really? some of the life of C.S. Lewis that as he spent it there in, in England. So um, that would be, be so fun. cool. But I probably read, I don't know, 20 of his books. Wait, let me, can I go, can I ask a question? Yeah. What do you like about C.S. Lewis? I mean, uh, we're talking about inspiring. Yeah. What, mm-hmm. what is it yeah. about him that you go, oh, I want to read him? Yeah. All right. Um, you know, I'm thinking of the imagery that he uses, the examples, the metaphors he pulls off. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, uh, was it in The Great Divorce that he said the gate, uh, the doors of hell are locked on the inside, something mm-hmm. like that. And then he writes a whole book about somebody who, you know, nobody wants to, you know, be in a position that we would call hell. And yet he describes a person who's there that doesn't ever want, you know, doesn't do what it takes to escape. You know, so, hmm. um, and the, the imagery and the pictures in my mind that go on when I'm reading him. Which uh, yeah. one did you say that was? I think that's called The Great Divorce, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I find that, and mm-hmm. I also, um, you know, I find him, he's what, maybe 60, 70, 80 years ago now, right? Mm-hmm. So um, some of his stuff, you know, just the, you know, he was a literary critic, mm-hmm. you know, so some of that stuff I don't read. Uh, as much, but his apologetic approach in the in a World War II era, mm-hmm. uh, when evil was almost personified in people like uh, Hitler at that right. point, right? Hmm. The starkness between you know good and evil, between God and the, the kingdom of darkness, and so forth. Mm. I, th- I find that he's able to kind of tease out from that things mm-hmm. that I think are still appropriate. Yeah, I would, sure. I would agree. I think his kind of imagery of the afterlife is that, compelling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way he can frame uh, the problem of pain, which, of course, is one that of his was, books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, contrast that, let's say, with his book about uh, what's the, the grief observed. The grief observed, yeah. You yeah. know, uh, his own journey his... of grief and mourning when he lost his wife. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so to me, he's a compelling author for a variety of reasons. But, yeah, yeah I do yeah. enjoy him. Yeah, he's a popular apologist, I guess, or mm-hmm. a defender of the faith in a popular way, I guess. Mm-hmm. He has one passage from, I think it's the Screwtape Letters, where he talks about humility as, and equates it with self-forgetfulness. Hmm. And that one really stood out to me. I remember we had to do that for a speech class, hmm. um, but that really stood out a lot because sometimes I think we think that humility is is sometimes saying, Oh, I'm I'm not this, or I'm mm. I'm not that, or something, and that's kind of a false humility, rather mm-hmm. than saying no. It's it's focusing on less of yourself and just I don't know. Yeah. So that was really cool. Yeah, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said we we all know our propensity for selfishness. Whenever we look at a photograph, we look for ourselves first. <laughs> in the you know, in the photograph, you know, where mm-hmm. am I at? Mm-hmm. You know, and that probably reveals <laughs> something about our constitution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, like I told you, Bill, I have a good radio face. <laughs> <laughs> and why are we doing podcasts? No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How would you guys say that you balance your your books between, or do you balance your books between Christian authors and non-Christian authors? Uh, do you lean more one way or the other? I don't know if I lean one way or the other. It kind of depends, I think, on my interest at the time. And then recommendations. I mean, you know, I'll talk to somebody and they'll say, I just read this great book, mm-hmm. you know, that it will intrigue me, and then I'll go grab it. I don't know that I have a preference. Hmm. Uh, it depends on the topic and the need mm-hmm. at the moment, I would say, for me. Yeah. I think for me, too. I think I probably read more books that are like books of the year, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning books, you know, well-written books. Uh, not that some Christian books aren't well-written. I don't mean that. I'm just, I kind of like go Whatever for some. Whatever is. And um, so I, pr- and you know what I've done? I've, I've learned over the last few years is I try to walk three miles in the morning on my treadmill and three miles at night. And so I, I figured out a way to read while I'd walk. So otherwise, I don't think I would read as much. Um, so I can get a couple hours of reading in if a day permits. And so I can get through a lot of stuff that way. Wow. And uh, I'm with you, Bill. I just kind of like, what's, uh, is there an author I kind of get into? Is there a topic that's kind of on my mind? Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a subject that's, um, you know, decision-making is on my mind right now. I think how we make decisions is really important. So maybe I'll look for some, you know, books that kind of help me figure out, you know, what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would agree. So, Bill, you are ubiquitous around campus all the time. Where do you find time to <laughs> squeeze your reading in? What do you, how do you program it into your life? Well, it's a good question. I think, you know, uh, for those of us who read, we're always wondering how do, how do we find more time for some of this stuff? Well, I, I've given up a lot of hobbies, right? So I don't, I don't fish. I don't hunt. Oh, I, I don't fish golf. and read at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> That's, maybe I should take that up. There you go. So, you know, I don't do a lot of other things, right? So for me, and I'll tell you the other thing that I've realized about my journey is as my kids have gotten older, I've found I've gotten some time back. You have some more time. Mm-hmm. That you know, So when the kids were younger and active and we were running around to sports and dance lessons and all those kind of things, I, I didn't have as much time to read. But now they're out of the home, mostly, and so in the evenings I find time to read. I get up early. Uh, I'm usually here in the office by 7 o'clock, so I can read for a little bit and kind of get my mind settled for the day. And hmm. So, yeah, I just squeeze out some yeah. moments like that. I don't walk, though, and read. I, I, yeah. I'm still I'm not sure I can figure out how to get that rhythm. Oh, and, I can show you how to. And my, uh, <laughs> my eyes just follow the text. I can underline read and walk at the same time. Wow. That's why he's president. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of your guys' favorite books uh, of the Bible to read right now or favorite Bible passages? you have any that come to mind? Um, you know, my favorite right now, and I'm going to finish it up on Friday, but I've been studying it almost all year, is 1 Corinthians 7. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's in the context of 1 Corinthians. So right now, that, that's kind of where I'm bedding down. Um, but I looked at it, you know, uh, at one point in my life, I would have loved to be kind of a, a rhetorical critic, which, you know, earlier reading, it's not the life of the critic, right? And so Teddy Roosevelt kept me from doing that. But, uh, <laughs> but looking how Scripture is said as much as what it is saying. So 1 Corinthians hmm. 7 is all about... Uh, singleness and marriedness and 
sexual activity within those uh, realms and the whole idea of Christian versus non-Christian getting married with one another and so forth. But how does Paul talk about that is an interesting way to study scripture sometimes. Hmm. Uh, like my mom used to say to my dad in our presence, Herb, it's not what you're saying, it's how you're saying it. You know, So how is Paul saying what he's saying? And um, hmm. so I'm looking at scripture and bringing some of those questions to it right now. Um, I went through a study on Rahab and uh, Joshua not too long okay. ago, which for me was very interesting to try to plumb that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple things that I've been yeah. thinking through. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Having read the scriptures a number of times through the years, uh, now I think I do like to settle a little bit more on a text and read and reread. So I, you know, I might take a chapter and read it every day for a week or something like that. I've, I just finished up the book of Isaiah. Oh, wow. Uh, um, so always challenged by the message of the prophet to people to say, hey, you got to pay attention to people around you. you got to pay attention to the oppressed. Mm-hmm. And uh, so those messages, I think, are, are fresh for me. Yeah. And then reading through the, the wisdom literature, which I read earlier in the year, and just reminded of God's interest in all of our life, right? So in the wisdom literature, you get the worship life, the work life and toil and marriage and intimacy and and all of that is yeah. part of God's interest in our lives. Yeah. So that was a good reminder. We were just talking Bridget. about that yesterday yeah. about friendship. Friendship, yeah, right. Yeah. So can I interge- I'm yeah. curious too because I think when we think of books the the divines used to talk about reading two books. So you would read the Bible which is special revelation mm-hmm. and you'd read nature or general revelation as well. And so I don't know about how it works for you. We're talking about inspiration, but one of the things that inspires me is the second book, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. nature. And, uh, you know, a few years ago, I was at the south rim of the Grand Canyon and stood there, and that was inspiring for me. I mean, it, 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 there was a sense in which it took my breath away, Mm -hmm. and I realized my own smallness in light of the grandeur of God's creation, mm-hmm. and that was inspiring for me. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have those moments as well? Oh, absolutely. Uh, in fact, I got a couple of years ago. I was actually down at the bottom of the Grand Canyon on the river. Oh, that's right. Uh, and did a rafting trip down there. So uh, I don't know if it was any more stunning or beautiful, but it certainly was about as good as it ever <laughs> has gotten for me. The stars at night down there. I mean, it's just unbelievable. You look up and you see this little crevice because you're five thousand feet down from the walls or 3,000 feet down so you see this little sliver of sky and there must be just I don't know billions Billions. of stars up there right and uh, you see them Mm because there's no light Uh, it's just unbelievable yeah it's good what are some practical ways that uh, these inspirational people have impacted your life on a day-to-day basis yeah let me give you an example I I mentioned David Schwann who introduced me to Christ when I was in high school. I remember uh, two quick stories from him. One is, while he was a teacher, I remember walking into his classroom on a Monday afternoon, and as I walked in, he's sitting at his desk reading his Bible. And it's lunchtime, and he's not eating. And I asked him about it, and he said, well, I'm fasting. Well, I had no concept of what that <laughs> you know, meant. Mm-hmm. Um, but for him, his, his devotion to Christ was so serious and personal and his loyalty so high 
that he would take time when others would go and eat to sit and read his Bible. That just left an impression on me. So much so that later I asked him about that discipline of fasting. What does that mean? Where is it in the scripture? He taught me through some of that, and I tried to cultivate that discipline in my own life. Another example was I, I was spend the night at his home and with his wife and kids, and I got up, and, and as I walked out in the morning, uh, he was sitting at a table with this ring binder with all these pieces of paper, and he was writing over and over and over, and I came and I sat down and inquired, what are you doing? And he said, well, he said, I've found that in order for me to really retain information and remember things, I need to write them down multiple times. I said, okay, I get that principle. What are you writing down? He said, well, I'm writing down the themes of every chapter in the Bible over and over and over so I can learn every, the theme of every chapter in the scriptures. Wow. So, you know, years later, when I become a pastor, you know, I start doing some of those same kind of things. When I want to memorize a scripture, yeah. I write it down over and over and over, you know. So some of those just, again, it wasn't like he was intending to teach me, right? It wasn't like he said, okay, I'm going to have this, I'm going to do this while Bill gets up in the morning. But, <laughs> but you know, his practice, you know, deeply influenced me. And I've been, I've been able to go back to him and say, thank you so much for setting mm. such a great example for me. I didn't appreciate it as much in those early days as I do now, years later. It's a great story. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm thinking of another guy who was he's probably not a believer, but I think he was a mentor to me, um, who was my Ph.D. Uh, advisor. And he was a guy who could see something good in just about anything. Uh, he didn't see everything as totally good but he could see something that was able to be appreciated in just about anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it was the manner in which it was done, whether it was the content of something, whether it was just the intention behind it, whether it was a failed attempt, but it was intended to be something, you know, offered up as good. And, you know, he, I, so he, not being a believer, attracted almost all the believers in that department or anybody that had an inclination to the Lord, anybody who I knew, and I was like the token believer in our department at that level (laughs) as a student, but people before me and people after me, he kind of got them because he was very appreciative of people who, though he may not have agreed with everything that we believed, he could see something of value and something positive. And it reminds me that people that I disagree with or don't, think that they are following the right way to flourish in life, can I still see something appreciative in them? Or do I only judge? Or do I only critique? Or do I only want to tell them that they're off base and they need to do something different? And I felt accepted and, and approved or at least, you know, welcomed. And I wonder if, you know, maybe that hasn't rubbed off a little bit. Did I try to do that? You know, with people, you you do that well. I think you you continue to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's not hard to do it with people that we kind of agree with, right? But it's not as easy to do it with people that we don't, you know, rub and run in that circle. So, I think he taught me how to do that, and he's still a friend. Um, He allowed me to uh, do the revows that he and his wife did on their thirtieth anniversary. So he asked me if I would perform kind of a re-wedding for them. 
which was scary wow. because I wasn't done with my PhD dissertation yet. <laughs> if I had messed that it's up. It's risky. Oh, well, what are we going to have? Yeah. And then he had two children that asked me to uh, uh, be the person who would do their weddings. And I don't oh. think any of the six of them knew the Lord. So I didn't think I was, you know, doing anything that was wrong. But I had an opportunity to speak into their lives in ways that he allowed me to do. You know, and I, I thought, boy, that's pretty interesting that he'd give me that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I sometimes you don't know what you can do just by being present with somebody in their life and not uh, turning them away through some thing that we do that is intended to show that we're right and they're wrong. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So Rod was, is still a good friend. We still mm. send each other Christmas cards type of thing. So after many, many years. That's so cool. Isn't it interesting, too, how the people who are so positive and they see the positive things in you, once you get into a deeper conversation with them and they might have something, some critique that they want to say, it you take it so differently than the person who just comes at you all the time with critiques mm-hmm. and never has that basis of a friendship. Yeah. Yeah. And he would do that, too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, President Wiggins and Dr. Kuhn, thank you so much for joining us on the Crown Insider Podcast. Thank, thank you, Shayel. Yeah. Thank you for doing it. Yeah. Thanks for being here. This podcast was created by students in the content marketing team at Crown College. To contact us, send an email to marketing at crown.edu or find us on www.crown.edu. All material copyright 2019.